And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. This is the Athletic Baseball Show on the Athletic Podcast Network. That is hammered. Oh, my. Man, that ball got out of here in a hurry. You know, anything travels that far ought to have a damn stewardess on it, don't you think? This is a simple game. You throw the ball, you hit the ball, you catch the ball. You got it? You're listening to The Roundtable with Grant Brisby, Andy McCullough, and Mark Carrig on the Athletic Podcast Network. Welcome to episode number 28 of The Roundtable. This is a post-season edition of The Roundtable. I'm Grant Brisby. I'm here with Andy McCullough, Mark Carrig. Uh, gentlemen, we all had our picks to click in the postseason. Uh, Andy, I believe you picked the Cardinals. Mark was the Blue Jays. Uh, and mine was the Guardians. So, first question, why are you so bad at baseball analysis? I'll start with uh, Mark. Dude. What are you talking about? I said they were going to make some noise. And they did. Did you hear that ballpark in that half inning? Huh? Yeah, the the worst half inning in, in like probably the entire history of the franchise. I mean, Andy might have witnessed the other one that's in the running against the Royals. That was pretty bad. But yeah, I mean, they made some noise all right. They <laughs> that was some noise. They that did. was some noise. I mean, I tweeted out that I fell asleep uh, when it was eight to one and woke up when it was nine to nine and George Springer's going off in a cart. Not embellished at all. That is exactly <laughs> how it happened. That's exactly what I woke up to. Like, I'm not even ashamed that I fell asleep because like that was my you gotta find your pockets, right? You gotta find your pockets in the postseason. And that was a that was a done game. I had my narrative. My narrative was Gossman versus Ray. They were the free agent starters at both teams. And then I, pandemonium. Just banana. I'm gonna give a little <laughs> shout out to uh, Caitlin McGrath, our, our Jays writer. You know, Vlad Jr. talked at the start of the year. Last year was the trailer. This year's the movie. And somewhere in that story, Caitlin writes, oh, it was a movie, M. Night Shyamalan, all right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I can't it. And she's not wrong. I mean, I picked him to make noise because they were so up and down. It's just that when the ups were up, you looked at that lineup, you looked at like the pieces there, and you're like, yeah, I can see that. I can see that. You know, it was, they draw Seattle. They're hosting Seattle. Toronto's a hard place to play. You're like, okay. But, you know, Whatever devil magic the Cardinals ran out of, like the Mariners apparently found it, because that, that comeback was unbelievable. Seven runs down. That's never happened on the road. Uh, that's my favorite stat from that, like in the playoffs to come back that big. So congrats to them. But yeah, no, the Jays made some noise. It was just not the noise I was expecting them to make. Yeah, it was, a it was, the, it was noise. the noise of an entire an entire nation of baseball fans vomiting as oh they watched. Oh my God, I mean, it, it was, was just, just like yeah. all of Ontario upturning their milk bags in unison. 
That wasn't an M. Night Shyamalan movie. That was like Michael Haneke's The Seventh Continent. It was like the most depressing thing you've ever seen. <laughs> Requiem you know? for a, a Dream. That's a film ref. Yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah, yeah. It's like, that's a Darren Aronofsky movie. Like, good Lord. Human Centipede. I mean, just, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that was wild. And for the Cardinals, like, hey, look, you know, there were times when I would, uh, wa- like, think about them from afar and be like, you know, I really like their brand. I really like what they do. They got these two, you know, big right-handed sticks. They catch the baseball, blah, blah, blah. And then I would, like, click on a story by, like, Katie Wu or uh, and, and to be like, and the Cardinals haven't scored in, you know, 31 innings this, <laughs> this week. And it's like, nah, that is not going to be an issue down the road. <laughs> Then it was, yeah. They didn't score any points. Uh, you know, Goldschmidt and Arenado didn't do much. Uh, the bullpen and de- the defense really kind of uh, the bullpen too. You know, kind of combusted in game one. And look, like you know, it's a it's a three game series. Weird stuff happens, right? But yeah, great picks by us. I wasn't listening when Grant talked about the Guardians. I just assumed uh, he picked a team that wasn't good. I assumed he picked like the 2012 Giants as his team to make noise. So, but congrats to him. Did you just say that the Cardinals didn't score any points? Oh, that's a baseball manager thing. Guys say that in the clubhouse all the time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm a points, points. guy. I like that. Yeah, you gotta I'm, score a, I'm in. I mean, you gotta, gotta get a point on the board. That's why you sacrificed. We needed a point. So, like, in the presser, did you ask Buck Showalter, like, hey, coach, tell me about the time. Like, are you a coach guy? No, this is coach. no <laughs> We've told that story here. I did ask I did ask Buck Showalter a question last night, which I'm sure we'll get into because Mark, you know, is going gonna, is gonna to lose his mind. Over think, what? But anyway. I asked Showalter what he saw with Joe Musgrove that caused him to, you know, check the, uh, you know, check his ears. I don't think about whether or not things are like Bush League, I guess. Like, I was, I guess, a little taken aback. Uh, you know, Gary Cohen was fairly critical of him. And Gary's like, you know, uh, the Mets broadcaster is like one of the, is like, if not the best in the business, you know, whatever. I'd love to meet someone who's better at their job. And so I respect his opinion a, a great deal. I was just, I was a little taken aback that like, People were upset with Showalter. Like, didn't I mean? It was very clearly like this man is desperate to do something to activate his team, and you know, like Musgrove's ears looked radioactive. Like, you might as well like do it. You know, what what is he like? What else is he gonna do? Is he gonna like gather them in the dugout and give them the burn the ship speech? Like, he was he knew the season was about to end. He had like I'm not saying he had to do something, but like you know, whatever, man. Like, the guy's trying to win. <laughs> And it was very funny. It was very funny. It was incredibly I, I, funny. I'll tell was, you. Uh, I feel bad for our country, but this is tremendous content. <laughs> Dude, it, for as far as content and funny factor, I'm with you. And and he said something. I'll give him credit for this. After the game, and you, you were in the room. You, correct me if I'm wrong, but he basically said. As I just said, I asked yeah, the right, question, okay, Mark. You I did was committing acts of journalism. <laughs> Sorry. Maybe you're not familiar with wow. that. Wow. No, I was too busy reading copy last night. Anyway. Um, you know, we, 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 he goes, I don't really care how it looks like. And I'm like, good for you. Cause it looked terrible. All right. <laughs> like, I'm glad yeah. you don't care because you look like somebody who is after building one's brand for 20, whatever years, he's been a manager of the smartest guy in the room. Oh, Buck never misses a thing. Buck sees every angle, but you can't get anything past Buck. That whole, like, episode to me was okay and, and i'll grant you this andy okay if, if you see something there and like you, you run out of like cards to play sure i get it i get it but like it also just smelled of like 
let me go and bolster my own legend. Let me go. Oh, let no, me go ridiculous. be a center of attention. Let me go stand out in the middle of the field, call the umpires out here, and make some specious like argument about radioactive substances on this guy's ears. I'll tell you what the substance was. Well, I can't say that on here. But the point of it, all Joe Musgrove was guilty of was shoving last night. That's all he was guilty of, okay? And so I like Gary Cohen a lot too. All right, I think he's great at his job. I, I, don't, I don't know if I can go all the way in there. I mean, he was really, really critical. But I don't know. I get, hey, you got to do something. But I just felt like that also put the onus on him. Like it was attention on him. It was bolstering this image. I think, you know, Rustin Dodd wrote a story last night and had a line in there about how there was like this eye rolling in the Padres clubhouse. And part of it was because of who actually went out and did that. All right. It's Buck. Of course, Buck would do that. It's so on brand. That was on brand Buck. 100%. Got to let everybody know how sharp I am. Got to let everybody know that you, I don't miss anything. And so you're going to do this. I don't necessarily. I don't know. I maybe I'm maybe I'm buck pilled because I find him to be a, so amusing in press conferences. I don't know, man. His team was getting their asses kicked. The season was about to end. Musgrove's RPMs were up, uh, which you know does correlate to velocity, as our you know uh, resident uh, pitching expert Eno Saris pointed out last night. I believe Jason Stark pointed this out as well. Like you know, my sense from in how he answered the question is he was really embarrassed. <laughs> about the whole thing and you know what he wouldn't do that if his offense had shown up now you can say maybe it's on the manager to make it so that your team does show up and we can you know I found the Mets strategy of trying to beat the Padres without using their best player to be one of the more silly and you know sort of patently disrespectful things with your opponent um, that you can that I've seen in recent years so like clearly the Mets didn't exactly know like what they had going into this I don't know man his team was getting his ass kicked like and maybe thought it would rattle Musgrove I think it's fine I think managers should do this more often it's funny you said what should he do I'll tell you what he should do. Trust his players to get the freaking job done. They won 101 ball games this year. 101. Have you seen that team? 100. <laughs> Have you seen that well, team in the last two this. weeks? Would you I, trust hey, them? Hey, at the end of the day, they've got a seven-month sample, and it's 101 wins. So you're either ready to roll with your crew, or when stuff looks like it did in that sixth inning, you panic and decide to make a spectacle. And he chose the latter. He decided, I'm going to go make a spectacle. I'm going to go pull Grant, off this decide ruse. This, decide this. Yeah, Grant, you tell. Is this fair or foul, Grant? Grant wasn't watching the game. Uh, he, he did you fall asleep again, Grant? He was concert from 1997. <laughs> yeah, no, I, uh, I, I'm just enjoying the pod. Like, honestly, <laughs> like, I, I, am, I am Switzerland a little bit on this. I, it was uh, uh, surprising to, to see happen. I, I think I'm more on Andy's ah! side as far as I... On the idea that I don't think it was necessarily bluster for bluster's sake. I think it was, uh, spin rates up, we're getting our, our ass kicked, uh, this. You know, this, this is what I got. And you should trust your team to get maybe more than one hit. Maybe two hits. Maybe, maybe three hits if you're feeling froggy. But that wasn't happening. And so you shoot your shots. You miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Michael Scott, by way of Wayne Gretzky, by way of me. I disagree with it. I don't think he should have done it. Dude, are we, are we looking at ears now? Like, are we all earologists? Are we, are we, are we, who's, whose job is that in the, in the dugout? Who's looking My at it? My mother's like, an audiologist. That's right. Anyway. 
Who's who's who, look at his ears, man? They're <laughs> did you see that guy's ears? Yeah, <laughs> they were weird looking. You know what I mean? <laughs> Dude, like I just here's the thing that shocked me, and this is a little bit of like would you cover this sport for a while and you watch it on TV and you hear broadcasters talk, I think you have a, you can hear like things between the lines. And so, you know, before games in the playoffs, and this is every game, really, a lot of, lot of broadcasters do this, like the manager will have an audience with the broadcasters. Yeah. Debrief, right, yeah. right, exactly, Andy. Right, they, you do it before the game, especially like that's like you, you know, and, and we get that too as reporters, but it's a smaller setting for the broadcasters, and most of it is like background stuff. Okay, all right. The second that Buck came out of the dugout, David Cohn and Eduardo Perez, and Carl Ravitch were already talking about, oh, they must be checking about, you know, the spin, you know, the spin rates are up. They must be checking like for a substance because Buck had already planted the seed. All right. He clearly had already told him that this was on his mind. He clearly had already prepped him for the fact that we might see some shenanigans like this. So don't tell me that, oh, this is not, this is strictly because he's trying to win a game. He's desperate. Stop. OK, it could also be like any, you know, sort of person who watches baseball regularly, you know, and covers the sport knows that in that situation, when the manager walks out and goes to the umpire and points at the pitcher, it's like, oh, they're checking for sticky stuff. Like, it's not like it's not like I'm sitting there watching and being like, I think he wants Alfonso Marquez to tell Joe Musgrove, hey, man, you're doing a great job tonight. <laughs> like, it's obvious what he's doing when he comes out. And David Cohn's watched a lot of baseball. That's true. But like, listen to what they were saying. This is what I'm this is what I'm trying to express. They knew it was coming. All right. Like, th this is something that it felt like. And managers will do this, by the way. They will plant ideas to you, all right? And that happens with the writers too, okay? And then so when it unfolds, like, you know it's coming. You have a sense that it's coming. So, like, I'm sorry if that sounds like paranoia or conspiracy theory stuff, but, boy, that just smelled like Buck was like, mm, if I need to, I'll do something today, all right? And, 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 hey, whatever. They should do this more often. Like, Terry Francona should do this to Garrett Cole in the second inning. <laughs> Dude, he's been giving up so many home runs, the umpires might hand him sticky stuff. Oh, if he, if he hey, whoa, do that. hey, hey, whoa, hey, hey. Okay, sorry. I just want to say, just briefly, I, I wrote about this the other day. The Mets trying to get through the series without using Jacob deGrom rubbed me the wrong way. <laughs> it just struck me as like, it's just, I don't know, whatever. Let's just move on. Who cares? They're out. They had a great season, but they're out. There's other stuff going on. Can we just talk, like, there's a lot of baseball to talk about, both yeah. in, in the recent past and in the, the near future. But can we just entertain the world of hypotheticals where the umpires go out and Joe Musgrove's ear has just spider tack on one ear and Vaseline on the other. He pulls a, an emery board out of his pocket. Yes. Joe Necro, sandpaper. And then the Padres win. What is the discourse like today? What is our pod like? What is Twitter like? I, I kind of want to peek. I want to peek in that alternate universe. You know what he should have done? He should have done when he came back out for the seventh was just had a gob of spider tack on his glove. <laughs> like, you know, you ever seen like Little Giants, right? Yeah. Like he should have had it on his shirt, like hot hands hanging, you know, with the stickum <laughs> where he just... And maybe do the Gaylord Perry thing where he's touching ear, nose, oh, ears. Oh, yeah. 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 That, that's some great baseball theater. But I, listen, I, 
You ever have that experience where all of a sudden there's a new word in baseball and you don't know where it came from, but everyone's using it. That happened to me with shove. Like this pitcher shoved. I had just never heard it. And then all of a sudden it was everywhere and I had never used it because it almost felt like I'm not going to appropriate that word because I don't know where it came from. Uh, last night I wrote Joe Musgrove shoved because I, I ran out of descriptions. That is what it is. I get it now. That was the, the proof in the pudding. And, uh, it's wild that that's the trade. It wasn't Juan Soto with the home run. It wasn't necessarily, I mean, you Darvish is great, but it wasn't, it was Joe freaking Musgrove acquired from the Pirates after like five years of four something ERAs shoving. Grant, maybe we can talk about this off air, but maybe you shouldn't use that term. Uh, What's that? But yes, he did pitch very, very well. He did pitch very, very well. And uh, it was, uh, it was, an, it was, a, it was a very, very strong performance. Is shoving the term I shouldn't use? The Padres broadcaster used the full term on Twitter last night, if you'd like to look that up. Ooh. (laughs) Yeah, shove is an abbreviation. Yeah, you're shoving something up somewhere. Well, that's just rude. (laughs) Yeah, that's kind of what, yeah, that's why maybe we should talk to your editors. Yeah. But yes. Like Bags had it in an article or like a headline, I think, about Logan Webb uh, last year. I don't think. We're just saying. I think the Bags and Brisbee podcast were a bunch just of innocent saying. little fawns. Thank goodness the New York Times uh, company didn't see that during their review of our uh, assets. Let's just put it that way. Assets. Anyway, a lot, of, lot of cool right. series coming up uh, this week, guys. <laughs> Lots of uh, interesting baseball to watch that uh, might not get Grant canceled. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Man, yeah, I can't get canceled because I don't because I'm an idiot. Like there's got to be maliciousness. Like I'm just dumb. I'm just uh, like yeah, a Well, you, you can't cancel me. I'm too stupid. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> can't cancel me. I quit. All right. So, but I, I think before we move on, let's just talk briefly cuz we didn't get to the Rays Guardians. The Rays probably should get a hitter. I mean, I think that's my takeaway from that. It was tough, but I think that series did have more runs than viewers. <laughs> it was a great series, man. It was I loved that series. Game one was very good. Game one was a uh, was was really nice. It was really cool. Game two, as uh, my my friend Tim Brown uh, texted me, said, "When the fumes of your bullpen is striking out everyone, maybe the narrative isn't wow, this great starting pitching, and maybe it's sort of that there's not many hitters. Look, they they were so banged up, right? Like, I mean, the Rays like." Brandon Lau was out. Kevin Kiermeyer was out. Uh, Mike Zanino was out. You know, they just they just didn't have the sticks that maybe they had last year. Obviously, they can really pitch, but yeah. While I was watching that, I was thinking, boy, Kevin Kiermeyer would sure solve this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, the Razor, the Razor, in a perpetually interesting spot. You know, like they made a really good faith offer to sign Freddie Freeman, for example, <laughs> right? They did. No, they did. I think they offered him actually like more money than the Dodgers did in terms of like taxes or whatever, right? And they have often in recent years, you know, been sort of aggressive on free agents. You know, they thought they came really close to signing DJ, DJ LeMayhew, for example. And they kind of, they have, they have more money laying around than you'd think, right? Because I know it's like, oh, the Rays are so cheap. But like, they're so cheap that they have money. If that makes sense. They have a slot that they can pay guys in, but they can't get free agents to take it because why would a free agent want to come and play in front of 4,000 people at Tropicana Field when you go and play in front of 50,000 at Dodger Stadium, right? Um, even if, you know, you're getting – so they have to almost like trade for superstars and, you know, that's getting harder to do. Like I thought they should have been like 
all in on Juan Soto. Like, because that's a player who they can, whatever. So, yeah, they need a hitter. Didn't we talk about how teams like Cleveland, Tampa Bay, they run the way they're run because of whatever limitations they've set for themselves, and that's fine. But there isn't a rule against doing both. Supplementing your team by signing players who can hit <clears throat> and managing yourself accordingly, like according to like you know the way they've done. That's all I thought about in that series, right? Like it, I think Tim's kind of on the nose there. Uh, at some point, it, this is not about oh, this is great pitching and run prevention. This is yeah, these guys can't hit like that. <laughs> at some point, it's like you know, at inning fourteen, and and no one's putting the ball in play. It's like yeah, he's, there's just not enough hitters on the field. So. You know, like, I mean, what did Cleveland... Cleveland swept the series in the postseason and hit, like, 175? I mean, come on. Like, what are we talking about here, right? So, obviously, both both clubs, uh, you know, could have used an extra hitter. I was joking with Andy a little bit over the weekend about the Rays. Like, I I got a little Rays fatigue. I'm not mourning the fact (laughs) they've been bounced, all right? Like, they're... Dude, I, they're a good organization as far as, like, they, they have a plan, they stick to what they executed, okay? And, like, I don't want to take anything away from those players, those coaches, and manager, like, and their front office. They, they've got a nice little thing going there. At the same time, if you're going to lose to a team, get swept uh, by a team that hit 175, like, I can't, like, shed tears over that, you know? I can't, like, especially when... Like I, that was fun series. I know Grant and your like wrap ups. You're talking about it being was it pure baseball or clean, whatever you call it. Like it's it's like a throwback yeah. baseball in a way. Like it's like a, a a facsimile of of pure baseball. But I don't know. And there's a lot bad. of ad. No, there's just fun. There's guys stealing. There's guy. You know, there, there's uh hitting for the, to the opposite side. There's you know <laughs> stuff like that. It, I enjoy uh, that brand of baseball in moderation. You know, just having one series where you have it, it's almost like, I don't know, 2000 and, and no, not 2000, like 1986. It's 1986 baseball. It's kind of fun to have one, you know, team like that or a series like that. You sounded like Dale in the Snack Shack at Little League, like the cigarette dangling from your mouth. You're like, oh, it's old school. Right? The button. Yeah. Oh, get away. <laughs> get him on. Get him over. Get him in, children. That's get him on. It. Get him over. Get that's him in. That's it. Yeah. See that oh, freaking, you know, Newport dangling from your mouth. Like, that's, that's what I'm talking about. In another universe, that is me. All right, I think we I think we covered all the losing teams. So let's talk about uh, the series that are coming up. Is there one that uh, excites you? Is there one where you're like, oh heck yeah, this team versus this team? Because I'll tell you, it's not Dodgers Padres for me. <laughs> you guys can have that one. Yeah, that smells like a uh, three or four game demolition. But who knows? You know, who knows? Whatever. It's baseball, right? Crazy stuff could happen. I the Dodgers will win in two. Dodgers in two, yes. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with twenty four seven U.S. based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Are you struggling to close deals? B2B selling is tougher than ever, and that's why I want to tell you about LinkedIn Sales Navigator. One more great product from LinkedIn. You're there to network, you're there to look for jobs, you're there to post jobs, and how about LinkedIn Sales Navigator? It's a sales intelligence platform that helps professionals effectively prospect and engage high-value customers, drive higher revenue, and increase sales performance. Sales Navigator helps you target the right buyers, surface key signals such as job changes or which accounts you should prioritize and shows you hidden allies so you can find those buyers that are most likely to convert. Fueled by LinkedIn's 1 billion member platform, Sales Navigator gives you the most up-to-date first-party data enabling you to unlock conversations with the people that matter. Right now, you can try LinkedIn Sales Navigator and get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com slash baseball show. That is linkedin.com slash baseball show for a 60-day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com slash baseball show and get started. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. I think the Braves are really good and like I think a potential, you know, Dodgers Braves 3 in the NLCS would be like incredible theater, but there is a chance we can look up in like 4 or 5 days and be like, "Man, who let the Phillies into the playoffs? Oh my god, they're doing damage." Because that is a team <laughs> with enough hitters and enough sort of just general uh, you know, not to be like a zoomer but like chaotic energy you know uh that the that the phillies like could really sort of do some wacky things they've got a guy with a beard that's always you know big they're like it's like hey it's jason worth it's like i don't know who is what his name is i know he's got a beard i think he plays the outfield saw some videos of him dancing in the beer celebration it's like that's scary right they've got wheeler They've got Nola. They've got Harper, who got off a really good swing, as our Matt Gelb noticed the other day. They've got Kyle Schwarber. Like, they have a familiarity with the Braves, which often, you know, can play into it. So, I, I you know, the Braves are a much better baseball team. 
But like we could look up in a few days and be like, man, the Philly Phillies are wreaking some havoc. I've said this before, and I'll say it again. Name a better free agent pitching signing the last couple of years than Zach Wheeler. And you saw it. Like, that's a huge game. That's a huge start. That's a guy that's been waiting a long time to pitch in the postseason. Um, he did not miss his chance. Like, that was impressive. Like, he got, you know, he's pitched a great game in a tough spot. And I think that was a tone setter. Yeah, I've been saying for years, uh, name a second free agent signing broke by Mark Carrig. But yeah, that's also true. <laughs> there are not many good ones after that or any that matter. You're always like, you know, his free agency. Actually, if you go back and look and see the story, you know, on the day he was signed. I don't know. I don't remember who wrote it. it see, this is been, funny because, like, you know, I, I never mentioned this. And Andy can't wait. All right. But the bottom line is, if you look at it analytically... Anyway. It was one of the better free agent <laughs> pitching signings in recent memory, and he proved it again last night or two nights, three nights ago, whatever that was. So, you know, I, I think I'm with Andy, man. I made a joke, like what, they'd fired Girardi, Thompson's in, and they won like three in a row. And I sent some smart-assy tweet. Oh, man, Phillies are going to be a real problem in the postseason, I'm telling you, right? Of course, everyone's losing their minds. Oh, you, you a-hole, blah, blah, blah. You know, that kind of thing. And I'm like, man, you can't have any fun on Twitter anymore. Jeez, relax. <laughs> well, it came to pass. <laughs> I mean, like the, Nola and Wheeler going like that, you know, I think that does change the dynamic. And as Andy mentioned, never like doubted the lineup, right? There's some bangers in there. So yeah, I think there is a decent chance we're looking up going, who the hell let them in here? What is going on? You know, I'm a, uh, what you might call a lazy baseball analyst. And one of my favorite lazy tropes is just to look at the top two starting pitchers of a postseason team going, well, they, they, they could be trouble. You got Corbin Burns and Brandon Woodruff like, oh, I'm, I'm keeping an eye on this team. And, you know, maybe I'm just overlooking the other 24 players on the roster and focusing on this because it's it's so easy to say, like, if they have these two really good starting pitchers get hot, look out when, you know, the postseason's more of a bullpen game nowadays where you're just looking for five, six innings from these guys. I don't know. But the Phillies are like making me go back to that trope and just if Wheeler or Nola or Wheeler or Nola, that sucks for other teams. Like that, that is not something the Braves feel should feel extra confident about. They still need to find another start in there. They still need to, you know, Zach Gufflin's been great out of the bullpen, but they still have some weaknesses in the later innings. But still, Wheeler Nola, that is one hell of a head start. I will say this, and I'm glad you you mentioned that, that one-two punch, because I think that's one of those baseball ideas that we hear so often. It's repeated so often when we learn the game, watch the game, see it evolve. It's always, oh, you can, if you can see like Randy Johnson, Kurt Schilling, look, look out, right? Like that whole thing. Scherzer de Grom, Scherzer here de, they go. Right, exactly, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Hey, they made noise. Anyway, like... The noises of home run balls going over the fence, but like yeah, jeering as you walk yes, off the mound, like hissing yeah. and booing. But like, all right, Tim Britton, in his one of his advances for that series, actually, his this this week in Mets column, a special edition of it. There's an item in there that addresses this, that idea of having those top two guys, right? That whole idea again that we've talked about, and it was stunning to see how little it actually produces a result. It stunned me. I mean, if you guys don't read that, like, I mean, Mets fans will, but, like, that was such a cool little item. He had, like, two or three just like it in there that were just, like, eye-opening. But I don't know. I had never thought of it like that before. I just was like, oh, man, you get, you get a Schilling Johnson type look out. And you look at it, and it's like, man, 
maybe it just doesn't have as much of an impact on the actual win-loss docket or columns as you would expect. Because, I, I mean, it was something like, I, I want to say it was like 500. He looked up, like he set a certain win, uh, a war threshold for those top two pitchers and then looked at like what the series records were. And it wasn't anything close to what you would think. I'm just going to do it and mention the 2014 World Series for the first time. But it makes me think about how impressive to have a World Series winner where your two best pitchers are Madison Bumgarner and Madison Bumgarner. Like that, <laughs> when you just have like one dude, that is wild. Two guys, it's still really hard because you gotta, you got to find those relief innings. you got to score runs. You can't just be the Rays. It, I don't know. It's, it's so easy to make too much of Scherzer de Grom and then it just doesn't happen. But... You look at Wheeler and Nola, it's pretty daunting. The one thing that I think that I have come to realize is I've covered enough, you know, like almost a full decade of more than a decade, I guess, of postseason baseball, right? There's no secret sauce. Like, there's no formula, right? Like, you know, in general, right, it's home runs, right? You want guys who hit home runs, you know, unless it's like the Royals who won two pennants hitting no home runs. You know, you, you want relievers, right, who can miss bats. Right. You know, you want tons of relievers who miss bats, but you also want contact and you also want good defense and you also want starting pitchers who can give you length. It doesn't reward the best created teams. It rewards the teams who play the best at that moment. And that can take on different forms like it really is. This is why, you know, I've had a lot of conversations over the years with, you know, baseball executives, you know, like. Andrew Friedman talks about this a lot and then, you know, like sort of gets frustrated about the whole thing because it re- like the volatility of October makes it so that it's very difficult to actually predict what's going to play. And there is no exact recipe, right? Because sometimes like a one-two punch, right? Like how did that work out for the Nationals in 2019 with Scherzer and, uh, and Strasburg? Well, pretty good, right? <laughs> pretty good. You know why? They played well. <laughs> Like, the secret sauce is playing well for a month and getting lucky and catching breaks and, you know, making the most of opportunities. That's why I just every time going into the postseason, I default to the best team. I just, who's the best team? You know, like in 20, in uh, 2019, it's like, oh, it's the Astros. You know, 2020, it's the Dodgers. Last year, it was the Dodgers. This year, it's the Dodgers. Most years, it's the Dodgers. (laughs) So when people are like, oh, you're a Dodgers homer, it's like, buddy, I don't even live there anymore, okay? But... I picked the best team because there's no – everything else is just guesswork. You're just guessing who on who's going to get lucky. Hold on. Wait, 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 wait. I got I got to write this down. Uh, best write it team. down, Grant. Best team. Uh, they have to – you said play well? The best team is not the one who wins. It's the one who plays the best. Plays well. All right, All right go ahead, Mark. I'm sorry. No, I was just going to repeat that. That is – I should put that on a keychain sell them at the ballpark. <laughs> Oh, no, yeah, yeah. Make fun of the dumb shit I say. You're going to be tweeting every time a guy hits a home run. Oh, I was told home runs are bad. I don't like your impression of me. I never have. I just... <laughs> let's, let's hear it. Oh, uh, I'm sorry. I guess the Braves are hitting too many home runs, you know, with like the first letter capitalized. <laughs> Jeez. What? Wow, I didn't know that I thought home runs were rally killers. You're, like, mad about something A-Rod said in, like, 2008. No, he says it now. No, not 2000. He says it now. So, no. Does he really? Yes, I don't he does. listen to these broadcasts. He does. I can't take it. One thing that uh, our podcast listeners don't quite appreciate is that off the air, 
Andy has impersonations for a lot of players, a lot of <laughs> managers, and he shares them with us, and they're generally pretty darn good. They're generally, uh, they make they make us laugh. And so uh, I think we were just treated to a, a Craig impersonation. I, I don't know. I, I find it a little bit uh, mean-spirited. Uh, Mark, I'm on your side. I think, I don't think you sound like that, sir. <laughs> no, he doesn't sound like that. He, that. Mark doesn't sound like that. It's Mark's more like, oh, wow, I don't know. Oh geez, I don't know, Andy. Like, uh, you know, uh, okay. Is he a cartoon uh, hound dog? Like, what? Are no, you he's doing? like, you know, he's like Filipino. Eeyore. I have been hearing this for like more than ten years now. It's just ridiculous. It's nowhere close to that. But I'll get that sometimes. In the middle of the conversation, it's usually something about Terry Collins. Something that's just gonna piss me off. Yeah, like that. it's always <laughs> play, something play like the that. Hits. Yeah, play the play hits. Play the hits, you know. I'm having a meltdown, and Mark's like, oh, you know, Andy's uh, password for his computer is uh, <laughs> Go Royals 2014. <laughs> I mean, it is. <laughs> Good one. Good one, pal. What are we talking about? Uh, we're picking a, picking a series that we're looking forward to. I'm not going to watch, like, any of it, but I think Astros Mariners might be cool, actually. I don't know. The Mariners are fun, right? They got a guy named Big Dumper. That's cool. Big Dumper. And then the ESPN caught wind of it, and it's uh, Big Dumper this, Big Dumper that. And you think you're going to get tired of it. Uh, No, Big Dumper. Man, you're never going to get tired of Tim Kirkshin talking about a ball player's caboose. Let me tell you, man. That is just, you know, dream matchup of subject and uh, and journalist. Can you do Tim Kirkshin saying Big Dumper? I respect him so much. Like, yeah, I well, he's you know, great. I'm, he's I'm, he's, I'm he's a legend. Tim, Tim is Tim is a legend, and as as I've talked about many times, I think one of my favorite things in sports journalism is the fact that Ken Rosenthal was sharpened into a killer as a reporter by getting his ass kicked by Tim Kirkshin on the Orioles beat for several years in his in his earlier days. I love just. Tim Kirkshin kicking Ken Rosenthal's ass and Ken emerging as just this monster as a result of it. When I wrote about the 1988 Orioles uh, starting the season 0-21, I went back and I poured through all these newspapers and all these articles. And I know Tim Kirkshin, the the TV personality. I was less familiar with Tim Kirkshin, the the beat writer. Holy hell is he amazing. (laughs) Beast. So good. Every like yeah. just watching his prose build throughout the twenty-one losses, amazing stuff. I was in awe. So let's just get that out of there. I yeah, amazing. Big dumb. Yeah, listening to him, listening to him talk about Tim Cal Raleigh's butt. I mean, what a life's rich pageant. Hey, I'm glad you did that. That's a fun exercise. If you appreciate like writing about baseball, like to look back and see how it was done back then. Because you could, like, that was a great way to describe it. You could see things building. Like, I've done research on stuff for the same thing. You'd see it. Like, and it's like, wow. And it's, you know, you know, it's not written to be read like that, right? Like, you don't write those stories to be read, you know, 30 years later. But man, it's a treat when you do. It, it, it's, it's a treat. And yeah, Tim was great when he was doing that every day. Or other sports like this where it feels to me like baseball, you have Ken Rosenthal, you have Jason Stark, you have Tim Kirchin. Everyone likes them. Every single person likes them. Are there, is there like a trio like that in other sports? Because I just, no one's going to say any, they're like Vince Scully, you know, no one's going to say any bad thing about them. And I just don't see that in basketball or football, but maybe I'm not paying close enough attention. 
I don't know. I, I have been told that the, the that the closest comp for Maggie Haberman is Ken Rosenthal, though, and that someone who's just, like, universally respected among their peers as, like, the best, essentially. So, uh, but Maggie just, like, Haberman tired. gets a lot of guff on uh, the old Twitter every time. Well, did you see the, did you see oh, Ken's boy. mentions the other oh. day when he wrote that, when he wrote that Mets oh, column? <laughs> Ken, Ken wrote true. a very forward-thinking column about what will happen when the Mets season ends because Ken, like an adult, was watching that team going like, this season's about to end soon. And they did win <laughs> on Saturday night. But he wrote, hey, by the way, you know, just so you know, like they're they're probably going to lose pretty soon. And Steve Cohen's going to have to do X, Y, and Z. And Steve Cohen's going to be the primary. You know, uh, some people would call that fairly forward thinking, you know, uh, talking about uh, tomorrow's story today. That's like, that's good column writing. Readers disagreed, I would say. Readers were not happy to hear did they, about because that. Because were they feeling like he was shoveling dirt prematurely? Yeah, it was, it was kind of like, hey, did you like write this, you know, like thinking they were going to lose? And it's like, well, like the job is is not necessarily to cater specifically to readers' interests. It's to provide them with information, you know, like sometimes before that uh, they have come to think of it. It's like to introduce ideas sometimes to the public. But, you know, with social media, that uh, has become a little more challenging. I would you say. did the opposite thing. You did the opposite thing yesterday. Where it was like, oh, sorry, can't do the pod because uh, I'll be flying to Los Angeles. Uh, because the, the Mets are going <laughs> to win. Did. So, you know, I can't do it. Yeah, I got yeah. to catch Dodgers Mets. Yeah. So, glue yeah. guy in my You, you balanced out Rosenthal. Yeah. The glue guy glue guy was uh, looking for economy plus seating. I was like, I was like, <laughs> the Mets in an elimination game? Book it. I'm going to LA tomorrow. Now, actually, now I'm here. I'm doing glue Yankees guy. Guardians. Shit. That's my series to watch. I want to see. I love these That's Guardians. That's a good one. I am enamored of them in their bullpen and class A. Like, I, I really enjoy watching them play. And it might just be that I've watched more Yankees. I've watched more of a lot of the other teams. I've watched more Maras. I've watched more Astros. So, to me, the Guardians are a little bit fresher than they otherwise might have been. But I think Yankees-Guardians is going to be, I'll just say, a humdinger. Well, I, I, I'm just looking <laughs> forward. Because I, I love these, like the Clash of the Titans, right? So, you got the team mm-hmm. that can't hit home runs versus Garrett Cole, who gives them up. Like they're Halloween candy. Like what? How is this gonna play out? You know? Like the, the Guardians find their power stroke. Does Garrett Cole keep him in the park? Let's tune in. Immovable object, unstoppable force. That's it. A- Garrett Cole is a really good pitcher, and he's got this sort of Achilles heel that that sometimes really good pitchers get, where they just start giving up dingers. You know? And it was it was a little more prevalent uh, in the juice ball era, but there, there are just, there are seasons, right. Where like a good pitcher for whatever reason, you know, has like a four ERA and you look at like his XFIP or whatever. And it's like two seventy five. or like, I don't know if that's exactly what Coles is, but like you look at, if you look like under the hood, right. You're like, ah, this car is running good. And then you close the hood. You're like the windshield's broken. Like what's going on here? <laughs> you know? Uh, so I, 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 I don't know. I mean, I, I think it's a really interesting matchup. The guardians, like the offense played really, I mean, whatever they're playing the Rays. Rays are tough to hit against. I, I, I think there's more in the tank for them offensively. I will be curious to see two really good game planning teams. You know, there's a some common threads there, right? Like the Yankees pitching coach Matt Blake came up through the Guardians pipeline. You know, he was in their minor league system. The Yankees, like a lot of teams, have tried to incorporate some of the things the Guardians do pitching wise. You know, combining all of the like rest and throwing programs and strength training and and game. Play 
planning and, you know, kind of the, the, the you know, just the, the Yankees are a lot closer to the bleeding edge of, of pitching, I think, than most. The Guardians are probably still the preeminent uh, developer of pitching, but the Yankees are, are close. You've got a Yankees bullpen. We're um, writing about this, you know, for this afternoon. Like, who is the closer? You know, Aroldis Chapman has been banished to Miami because he just, you know, skipped work. They don't. I mean, he wasn't going to close anyway. But, like, the last few years, right, they've had a good bullpen. And you've known, like, okay, it's Chapman in the ninth, Britton in the eighth, you know, Michael King and Chad Green in the sixth and seventh. And now it's kind of like, who's your closer? It's like, oh, it's – um. Oh, we got a bunch of guys. We'll figure it out. You know, that's kind of fun. Aaron, a lot of, you know, like dice rolling by Aaron Boone. Like it should be, it should be interesting. To your point with the starting pitcher with an Achilles heel, Garrett Cole, the classic example we mentioned earlier was uh, Kurt Schilling. And then one postseason, he sort of just mowed through all that and, and was a better type of Kurt Schilling. I do wonder about that bullpen because, yeah, I, it surprised me. I... It, it, you get one of these things stuck in your head, and in my head, it was the Yankees have a dominant bullpen. The Yankees, once they get to, you know, Patances and, and Chapman, and like you've got all these dudes, all these arms, and I'm looking at it now, and it's like, okay, I guess I got to learn Clark Schmidt. Wandy Peralta, that's weird. There was a Giants reliever with that name a couple years ago. You know what I mean? So I gotta, <laughs> I gotta learn who is in this Yankees bullpen. It, it, it's gonna be that's gonna be wild because that is a painful way to flub uh, a World Series or a postseason run uh, when you have expectations like the Yankees do. There's nothing more brutal than having a bullpen uh, be the one that's in the conservatory with the candlestick. Like that is the worst kind of loss. So I'm. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I got my, my popcorn popped. I mean, Aaron Boone's trying to learn about him, too. I mean, this is, <laughs> I, you know, there's going to be the, the classic thing where one of the guys who's not in the starting rotation because you don't have as many games, like like I'm thinking Jamison Tyon. What do you do with that dude, right? Like, how creative can you be? What can he give you? Like, in this, I mean, can he go back to back? This is a guy who's had long injury history and all that stuff, but they've also, when we talk about, you know, Andy pitching development and all that, look at what they've done with Jameson Tyon after getting him from Pittsburgh. Like, that's a success story. They figured out some stuff that he can do to help him. So I wonder if that's somebody that could play an interesting role here when we've got, they've got so many innings to cover potentially in that bullpen. And if Cole has another game where like the ball's flying out of the park um, and you can't let it get too crazy, and now you open the bullpen gate, it's like, okay, how are you going to piece this together? It's one hell of a challenge. I, I think the Yankees have done a good job with that through the years. This is the ultimate test of it because you got so many unproven guys down there. And, you know, how are you going to MacGyver this thing? Because that's what's going to have to happen, I think. It is wild to, to think about uh, Frankie Montas, how he could have changed this series if he were if he were healthy, because you could use him in so many different ways. And like it almost feels like the Yankees are the perfect team to have one of their starters become the bridge guy. You've got some solid start. You got Cole, you got Cortez, Severino, Tyon, uh, Herman. One of these guys could become. Julio Urias, back when the Dodgers were really good at folding him in, out of the rotation, making him a hybrid. But I think that that undersells what Urias was doing and how hard it was and how good he was in that role. That's what the Yankees could use. I'm not sure if they're going to find that, though, I don't. It's because it's hard to find. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Sorry, I'm very tired. I've been up very late. Dude, hey, hey, I am, uh, listen, I'm not getting any younger, and this weekend, uh, that was a lot of baseball, a lot of uh, writing, and I'm I'm 
freaking exhausted. It's kind of troubling, actually, just, you know, speaking personally. The playoffs are, like, just starting. Like, I got to get some coffee in my system. I don't know. It's fun, though. This is fun. Like, this is uh, this is very exciting. There's been some really good games, you know. I think there's some really interesting matchups, you know, as I, I, I am looking forward to Yankees-Guardians. I think all four series. I, I do think the Dodgers are just going to just demolition derby the the Padres, but I think the other three are going to be fun. Uh, and, but, you know, it's possible the Padres, have, they have a puncher's chance, as it were. But, uh, yeah, we'll see. I have my problems with this wild card round format. I hate, hate, hate how it's all in one city, which gives a huge advantage that might not be earned to one of the wild card teams. At the same time, I love, love, love that you are guaranteed two consecutive days of four-game uh, postseason action, because that has always been my my jam. When they're doing in the in the division series, and you've got the American League, and you got the National League, you got two, and you're just bouncing back and forth, and sometimes there's two games going on at once, and you got an iPad going on your TV. I love that stuff. So guaranteeing two consecutive days of that, uh, I'm, I'm for it. For it. <laughs> I'm for it. I'm for it, man. I'm for baseball. Didn't you use one of those in your columns this weekend? I think you dropped the fur it or something like that. I just looked at man, it. And like, oh my god. You can't expect me to remember what I wrote. Can't expect me to remember what I read. <laughs> yeah, we'll be back next week and are there gonna they're gonna be teams eliminated by next week, right? Uh yeah, I'm pro- yeah, 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 because game five is on Monday, next Monday. All right, so let's just do real quick uh, predictions. Real quick, before we leave, episode 28, predictions. Who's winning these series, each each series? Yeah, yeah, let's just go. Who's going to be in the championship series? I think Houston's in, all right? Like, I- I'm going to take Houston there. I'm going to take, God, I'm just going to take Cleveland. The hell with it. I'm going to take Houston and Cleveland getting through. You know, just that Yankee bullpen is uh, terrifying to look at. Like, it's just terrifying. Um, I think the Braves beat the Phillies, um, although I feel like that's going to be fun. And then Dodgers. So, boring. Andy, what you got? I'm going all chalk. Chalk. Uh, Astros, Yankees, Braves, Dodgers. Pick the best teams. Yeah, that would, man, that would be some good, good entertainment. I will go Guardians, Mariners. I want to see some uh, 2001 uh, retribution. No, was it was it the Guardians who beat the Mariners in the 2001? No, it was the Yankees. Eh, whatever. All right, so Guardians, uh, Mariners, <laughs> and then and then I'm gonna go uh, Braves, Dodgers. All right. Yeah, all right. All right, this has been episode yeah, cool. 28. See, see you guys next week. <laughs> all right, episode 28. We'll be back next week. See you then. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.